Hello, my name is John Brink and we are podcasting on the Brink from downtown Prince George. Now for those international not all, and national potentially uh, watches, uh, Prince George is, I refer to it as the capital of Northern BC, one of the absolute most beautiful places in the world. Today it's uh, the 2nd of August and it's a beautiful day outside, it's been a little bit on the warm side but today it's about uh, mid to early le- low 20s probably for the day and uh, so beautiful time in Prince George. All the lakes and it is an absolute fabulous place. If you ever come to Canada you must come to Northern BC through Prince George. My guest today, a special guest in particular in regards to this region, an amazing, I would call him a young man, uh, is uh, Carl Sampson. Carl, thanks for having me on the, the show. show. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, I'll, I'll give you that. Young man suits fits for now. For yeah. Now. It's slowly <laughs> phasing out, but it fits. You're on the move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, you're bang on when it comes to the region and the weather we've been having lately. It's a summer to, to die for. And so I think people are, are just you know, enjoying the, the northern BC beauty, right? Tell me a little bit about yourself in terms of where you, I think you came to Prince George in uh, 2002 or so. Where, where did you come from or where were you born? Yeah, so my family, both my parents are from Halifax, Nova Scotia originally, and my dad's got a large family, 10 siblings, and uh, my mom has a smaller family, one sibling, and, um, and uh, they moved to Edmonton along with a number of my dad's brothers and friends, you know, coming west for work opportunities, right? So right. they moved to Edmonton in the 80s, and uh, that's where they started the family. My mom followed my dad out and they started their career and started a family. So me and my two siblings are actually born in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, we grew up there for a uh, few years. Uh, and then before moving to Winnipeg for my dad's job, back to Edmonton. And then what was your dad doing? He it? worked for CN Rail. So of all places. Yeah, transportation, right? It brings you yeah. all across the country and, yeah. uh, and it moved them around. And when we moved to Winnipeg, I remember my dad moved to Winnipeg uh, months and months and months before we did and we finally yeah. moved there and then probably about six months after moving there he got transferred back to Edmonton and so then we were there for another six months before we moved back to Edmonton and then so did your family end up in Prince George or you yeah my family did so I moved here when I was still in elementary school yeah and uh, grade five and we uh, we came here for my dad's when job was that 2002 I don't want to put you on the spot here but uh, that's you know, why got, I still got to know right? somewhat young man right yeah. I was about yeah. 10 and uh, moved here and uh, for grade five we came here for my dad's job grew up here went to high school here and actually my folks moved again for my dad's job in uh, when i graduated pretty much same weekend a lot of moving around right a lot of moving around but good opportunities i mean he he was able to move up and became a you know a a superintendent with cn rail and uh you know really led some you know huge operations for the company and so really neat opportunities to move around with yeah and then uh so you came here and and tell me a little bit more about yourself you went to school here elementary school what happened then so i mean I, i i remember thinking when we got told we're moving to prince george I remember thinking, where the heck is that? Yeah. I have no idea. I'm a 10-year-old kid. I've never been to BC. Sure. Why would I know? And so I went to school and I told my teacher and she goes, oh, I've heard of Prince George. And we're looking on one of those giant maps and we're kind of scanning around looking for Prince George. And then one of my classmates goes, there it is. Further north. Yeah, further north. We're all looking down the Okanagan, yeah. Vancouver area. And so, oh, that's where we're going. And anyways, we moved here and, uh, and that's really kind of where 
life started taking off as a 10 year old. I mean, before that, you don't really have a lot of your own uh, life. And so no. start getting into hobbies and activities and yeah. getting into sports a bit more. And um, it was just a really good upbringing in, in Prince George. We, I went to Southridge, then I went to College Heights. And it was in high school, I believe I was 13, when I got my first job working with, a, you know him, Dave Mothis. Yeah, sure. He gave me my first job DJing. Yeah, in, uh, where? All around town, I did a little bit of... As a 13-year-old. Um, mm -hmm. I would do weddings, I would do banquets and Christmas parties and anniversaries. Yeah. My first gig alone was actually a 50th anniversary at the Bon Voyage Banquet Hall. Yeah. That was my first gig ever alone. Yeah. Did you have ambitions to do that? How did you meet uh, Dave Mathis? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he would tell the story very similar to me, but I harassed him until he gave me a job. I kept yeah, calling yeah. the guy saying, yeah. I want a job, I want a job. And yeah. are you doing, you're doing a dance at my school. Can I come and help set up? Can yeah. I be part of this? Yeah. And they would let me a little bit. And then finally, Dave invited me. Uh, I called him and he said, okay, well, come and have an interview with me and my business partner. Yeah. So I go over to the house. I'm wearing a shirt and tie. My mom drops me off. Yeah. And him and his partner are on pogo sticks out front of the uh, of the office uh, yeah. uh, and and bouncing around like goofs, right? And so I'm, sure. I'm taking it all serious. And they go, oh, who's, "Who's this kid?" They go inside. They get you know they're kind of doing me a favor, give me this interview, give me a chance. And really quick, they went, "Oh, you know a lot about older music, classic rock, and right. and people things people want to party to and dance to." Exactly. And so they gave me the chance. And I, but my aspirations uh, from a very young age were to get into radio, and so radio and DJing go hand in hand. So where did you get into the radio? Well, so when I was really young, my parents bought me this toy, and uh, I've never really told this story too much, but. Um, uh, it was this little toy. It had a microphone built in, yeah. had a little cassette deck built in, and yeah. it had a bunch of, you know, clapping applause buttons or boo or buzzers or, you oh. know, ding, ding, dings, and just like sound effects. And uh, you could plug in another thing, uh, another stereo. So I would plug in my other stereo, and I would have three channels going. And it was an FM broadcaster, and I, it would go about a block distance, so all my neighbors could tune into my little radio show. Never heard of it. It was a little toy in the 90s, and so yeah. I, they but gave me that. It triggered something in you. I loved it. You liked it. I have a tape somewhere in a bin at my house, and it's called, uh, it's titled Kyle Rock 101, and I think my mom recorded one of my shows back when I was seven, eight, um, you know, and I used, to, I used to record, you know, you could record on cassettes from the radio, and you'd tune in. And I, I would record commercials so I could play commercial breaks. And I would record yeah. songs. And I hated it when the DJ on air would talk over the intro of the song because yeah, yeah. then it would be talking on my show. Yeah, yeah. So I would record these things and I'd host my little show and I'd have my sister coming in for an interview and talk about her basketball game that day and all sorts yeah. of stuff. And so that's where it got started. The passion started with a little toy that my parents gave me. Still is there today. And we, we're going to talk more about that. But you, one of the driving force behind the country rock of the North, that's on this weekend, in fact, and then another one two weeks from now. That's right. And it all goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. Music. So are there still tickets available? There are. So okay. we've got two festivals. Okay. Caribou Rocks the North this weekend, yeah. and then the Best Damn Music Fest, which is country the next weekend. Okay. And I'm wearing separate hats. So yeah, on yeah. one hat, it's Pacific Western Brewing. We are the force behind Carebrox and North. We partner with the Yeah, CN we'll Center. talk about that a little bit more right? because you're quite involved. You've got so much going on. So I many mean, hats, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, tell us that because I'm going to get it out there that that's happening this weekend, Country Rock, and the other show as well. And I'm going to know if there are more tickets available. Where do we get them? How much do they cost? All those sure. kind of things. Right? So for this weekend, Carebrox the North is the rock show, and there's tickets available at ticketsnorth.ca. Okay. It's a three-day festival. We got some great artists lined Where? up. 
Tickets North. Oh, where is the event? Yeah. It's at Exhibition Park right outside the CN Center. So here in Prince George. Yeah. It's, uh, this is our third year, weirdly enough, because we've been on a hiatus because of COVID. But we started this event in 2018. And before that, it actually was a smaller concert that took place at the brewery that I started years prior. So right. it's kind of evolved into this bigger and bigger festival. Who are playing? So we've some got, of the big names that see. are there. So Tom Cochran's our big name on Saturday night. Yeah. We've got Nazareth, Trooper, uh, Harlequin, Helix, Headpins. Uh, we've got These Toronto. These are all top performance. These are huge names from Canadian classic rock. I mean, Nazareth is a UK and international act. Uh, Sweet is a UK and North American American act and they're coming. Um, we've got some big names coming. How many tickets have you sold so far? Oh gosh, uh, we don't talk about that usually, no. but I, no. uh, so I don't Give have it off a, the top a, of my head. But usually How many see, do you like to have? We usually see about 3,000 a night at Caribaroxidon. Between three and 5,000. Yeah, eh? yeah, definitely yeah. closer to the 3,000, but yeah. usually about 3,000 a night is our average. There's lots of room. We can grow. And so it's early days. A festival like ours is still growing. It's, yeah. it's so early. it's something that likely will happen again over and over again year after year? Yeah. yeah is absolutely. it annual? It is. So 2018 was our first. Yeah. We moved it from the brewery to the CN Center, yeah. added the two extra days, made this big event. Yeah. And, uh, and then we've gone, um, uh, 2019 was our second year. We had 2020 planned, ready. We had to cancel with COVID. We had 2021 planned and ready. Had to cancel with COVID, but now we're back 2022. And the intent is to continue. Is the fellow involved, Mickelson? Glenn Mickelson. Yeah. He's our partner. I mean, without Glenn, we wouldn't have this event. No. He's incredible. Yeah. Where is he from again? So uh, now you're testing me. I believe Glenn is from Calgary. And I believe. He's an expert in those areas. Did you know, fun fact about Glenn Mickelson, you should talk to Glenn. Fascinating guy. Yeah. And uh, I love the guy. He, um, he's written two, if not three books about chuck wagon racing. He's an expert. So he, I know- He's an author? Yeah, just like yourself, which I think is, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a good time. You guys should, you guys should chat. He's, yeah. he, he's a fascinating guy. He knows so much about so many different topics and Let's chuck wagon Let's make sure racing. we get him on the show here. That, uh, you know, the, uh, we'll talk to Scott about that at some point. He's, um, he's a real gem of Prince George and I think one of those unsung heroes almost. I mean, it's great to recognize some of the great entertainment that comes from Prince George, but not always it. do people think, oh, Glenn Mickelson was behind that. And he is oftentimes. Wow. So now that's this week, this show. What's the price? Uh, so the price, you're really testing me. $74.99 for single day passes. Yeah. And for a two day passes, or three day pass, sorry, is $199. And not for bad, VIP, yeah. not bad. You're getting a lot of bands. Three 11 bands. Of top music. Yeah, and, and 11 bands. Oh, yeah. unbelievable. For 200 bucks. And, yeah. uh, and then if you want to go VIP, which is a really great package, and this year we've elevated it, literally. We have it up on a raised platform overlooking the whole crowd. It's a um, really neat VIP experience, and that's 425 So uh, a bit wow. more, but you get a lot of perks with it. Early entrance, you get free food and bev, cheaper no. drinks. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that, I love it. You know, yeah. so, now, so that's this weekend, starting on? Friday, August 5th. August 5th, that is this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's right. And then we go forward to two weeks? Yeah, no, one week. So August 12th and 13th. Okay, same same location. Same location outside the CN Center. And it's the Best Damn Music Fest. And so if I switch hats a little bit, like I said, Caribou Rocks and North, I do that with my day job with uh, Pacific Western Brewing, who who I've worked with for a number of years. I have my own business, a bit of an entrepreneur with events. Yeah. Um, and I own the Best Damn Music Fest, which is yeah. a big country music fest, the biggest in northern BC. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How long has that been going on? So this, we attempted to launch last year yeah. and then had to cancel 
few days in advance because of COVID. Yeah. We were good to go and they changed the rules just days in advance. And of course we want to make sure we're safe. Yeah. And so we postponed the event till this summer. Yeah. And so this is the first one. Yeah. So the, uh, uh, yeah, so that uh, is on then. What are the bands there that are playing? So Friday night, we kick it all off. Friday, August 12th, we have uh, Rick Stavely, local guy yeah. opening up. Yeah. He's a, um, he's a uh, local musician, country musician, really well uh, received and has a number of albums under his belt. Yeah. Then uh, we, have, um, we have Rick Stavely, Aaron Prechette, big name in country music, Western yeah. Canadian boy, yeah. uh, actually a BC boy. Then we have uh, the Hunter Brothers, which really cool, really cool group. They are all brothers and they're all actually hockey players as well as musicians and oh they own a family farm together. So they farm when they're not performing and met, a couple of them actually had made it to the NHL before switching over to music. So really neat career story of uh, Hunter Brothers. And then our headliner for Friday night is uh, quite a big name, Brett Kissel, who is loved in Canadian country music and a big award-winning artist. Saturday night, we kick it off with Kim Gucci and Northern Lights. Um, then we move on to Chris Goodwin Band. Uh, then we have, who, who's next? The Washboard Union is next on the lineup. Right. They're BC guys as well. Really uh, neat band. They got these big beards. They almost look like ZZ Top, but for the country world. Like these yeah, yeah. big beards, cool outfits. Yeah. Uh, and they, but they don't just look the part. They are the part. They're a great yeah. band. So we got the Washboard Union. Uh, and then we go into uh, Corb Lund. And if you haven't heard him, he's, a, he's Mickelson, Glenn Mickelson's favorite country artist, I'm pretty sure. But he, um, neat performer, very that outlaw kind of uh, unique country. And uh, he puts on a great show. And then we've got huge country artist, uh, uh, Dean, Dean Brody, headlining us. So nine great bands over two days. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And that again is Friday, Saturday? Yes. Yes. So two-day pass for that one is uh, 179 Yeah. Uh, and then single-day passes for 100 So if you go for two days, you save, uh, you save the $20, which is a yeah. pretty good deal. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you know, your viewers a, a deal. If they want to buy tickets, they can, um, they can use the promo code SAMPSON, S-A-M-P-S-O-N, 10, and that'll give them 10% off. Wow. So we're giving it out a few another places. $20. Yeah. yeah another 20 bucks. Yeah. 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 Excellent, yeah. So now that's the music side. Uh, now you are also a councillor of the city of Prince George. Yeah. The council of the city of Prince George. You were elected in, I believe, 2018. Yeah. And your first term, and you were the youngest ever councillor elected to the city. That's right. How old were you? I was 25. 25. Yeah, I was 25. And, and so, and you have been now, that's year number four. There's going to be an election this November. This October, October 15th. It's October. coming quick, actually. So are you going to get back in again? Or you want, the, you, you want to break the news, eh? You want to break the news. I haven't announced if I'm running or not yet. Um, but I, what I'll say is I love um, working for our city. I think Prince George... Uh, you said it in your intro. Prince George has an abundance of opportunity. Yeah. There's so much to offer for young families, young yeah. entrepreneurs. It's, it's a gem. And yeah. I think it's often underestimated as a yeah. community. And so um, I see the role that I sit on as a counselor as um, helping harness that and really kind of taking Prince George to its full potential. 
I like the governance side. I like helping make sure that City Hall runs smoothly and effectively. I like promoting our city, our community. I just want Prince George to be the best it can and you know, diversifying our economy uh, is gonna be a part of that as we've yeah. talked about before. And yeah. so I think for me, um, I think there's more work to be done, and so I haven't announced yet, but I, I'm really strongly considering putting my name for it again, because yeah. I think there's more to Rumors be done. Rumors on the street are, a, a couple of things I should say about it, is that, uh, uh, you know, the, we, we're very lucky with our council, and the rumors on the street are that you likely will be running again, and there are other rumors on the street, and I don't want to put you on the spot, is that Cal may be running for mayor a possibility, but anyway, we, we won't talk about that. I'm just telling you what the rumors on. The I've heard the are. rumors too. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the so the likelihood is that uh, you know then okay, let me put my two beats and then uh, you know I think you have done a very very good job and uh, you know and I like to see the youth and and the uh, you know the excitement and the passion and council and uh, you bring that to the table as as others. And, uh, you know, and obviously the future is a bright one and, uh, and it's interesting. You like politics, right? Because why did you, why would you want to get involved in, in city council? And I'm asking a question to which I likely know the answer, but. I think, uh, so it's, it's funny. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Part of me thinks that nobody gets into politics thinking I like politics. I think you want to help make your community better. I think you want to help solve problems. I think you want to help be part of something bigger than you are. And that's how I see it. And so it was never, I want to be in politics. It was, I love my community and I want to give back in one of the biggest ways I can yeah. think of. I want to contribute to that. I want to be part of that. And yeah. so uh, ironically, uh, I do enjoy politics. I yeah. enjoy um, advocating for our city and working with other levels of government. I enjoy yeah. figuring out what's our community want and need right. and what are what, where are people at and so yeah. ironically um i think the two mesh really well but my mindset was never oh i love politics and that's where i'm going with it right to answer your question i think um uh i, I really just uh i really like being part of that bigger picture for our community right. and putting everything i have into um helping us advance as a city yeah and to a certain uh, extent uh, i found it for myself i was quite involved too in different areas, mainly provincial uh, uh, politics, if you wish. But at some point, you have to walk the talk, right? And I was a writing president for uh, a period of time. I, I even ran uh, for um, uh, the an MLA uh, of Prince George Mount Robson against one of my friends. Uh, that has done a fabulous job, uh, Shirley Bond. That's right. You know, I remember you telling me that. I yeah. didn't know that until yeah. you told me. I think it was 2018, shortly before my, my election that I ran, and I think you told me that story. Yes, and uh, that was way back in 20, 2001, wow. I believe, you know, yeah. 20 years ago. But there is something about it that, uh, you know, that for all the same reason that you say, yes, uh, I, I love British Columbia, I love Canada, British Columbia, and in particular, Prince George in Northern British Columbia. I've spent nearly 60 years here and uh, I, I just love it. Uh, you know, it's it has so much potential. It's funny that you say, uh, especially Prince George, when I talk about Prince George, I mean, in my role as a city councilor, I definitely see the borders of our community and this right. is our city limits. But it's funny how usually when I refer to our community, 
and I think Tourism Prince George does it, and I think almost everybody who lives here, we don't see city limits. We see Prince George as this beautiful region, yeah. uh, which does encompass smaller communities. It does encompass the regional district. Right. Uh, but it's, I mean, what is the stat? There's something like a thousand lakes within a half an hour drive of our community or exactly. something like that, right? Amazing. It's incredible. And so, yeah, yeah, you're right. When you talk about how you love BC and Canada and yeah. Prince George especially, it's this region that you fall in love with, right? And the other part about it, Kyle, is that, uh, you know, we had a tough time, uh, you know, with hot weather and forest fires. Uh, I think it was 2018, 2019, uh, you know, when a lot of damage was done in the region and Prince George together with the other regions, took on a leadership role uh, in, in bringing in a lot of people into Prince George and helping and assisting. And uh, so it, it has, in particular over the last number of years, taking on that leadership role uh, that is so important. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and I say to my friends down south, uh, you know, that uh, 80, 75, 80 percent of the GDP of the province of British Columbia is generated in northern BC. That's right. So it's not don't forget mainland. about it, guys. So. Don't forget about us, 100%. Yeah. So that yeah. advocacy work is important because it's yeah. easy to forget. We're so spaced yeah. out. We're so spread out. There's less exactly. people. But yeah. this is a huge economic driver for this province, is yeah. northern BC. And a lot more stuff to happen, right? Totally. And there's endless opportunity up here. I mean, uh, we were talking in our council meeting just the other day. Um, the airport came for a presentation. Well, look at the opportunity surrounding our airport. Prince exactly. George is a hub for transportation, rail, air, uh, road networks. No question. But there's a, the free trade zone out by the airport. Yeah. Uh, we, have the, we had the third, now we're the fourth longest runway in Canada. Yeah. Um, huge. The biggest planes in the world can land here in Prince George. They exactly. can refuel here. They can, this is a good hub for going to uh, Asia for, for cargo or transport. Um, think about the opportunities with training for pilots. I mean, yeah. you take off from our airport, Within five minutes, you're in the middle of nowhere. You can do maneuvers in airplane and aircraft that you can't do in major hub centers. So exactly. there's so many opportunities in this, this area. I mean, our climate's perfect for data centers. There, yeah. Our climate's perfect for, there's, there's endless opportunities. You could go on and on. Another thing I want to talk to you a bit, a bit about is uh, Pacific Brewing. You know, you've been involved with them already for a long time. It's funny. So <laughs> I feel like somebody watching this is going to be so confused. What does yeah. he do? What is he all about? Yeah. Where, where is he at? And I wear a few hats. I, my, so I own my own business and I do that on the side. And we're not a big business. We do events here and there. Yeah. Uh, this music festival is our biggest. Um, and that's always been a passion. I do some contract work, help out here and there with events, concerts yeah. and tours and, sure. and whatnot. Um, council, part-time job, of course. But my day job is... Um, well, full-time, council's full-time, but really part-time, if yeah. you know. But uh, my day job is with Pacific Western Brewing, and I've been there for over six and a half years now. Yeah. And uh, I love it. It's a cool place to work. Yeah. It's a cool and, place. And, and so, what do you do there? <laughs> That's a loaded question. I, uh, we're, the, we're one of those small, big companies. Yeah. We've got a you know, big production. We've got a large reach with our projects, but uh, we're still a pretty small team. And so, I think I have my hands in a lot of uh, cookie jars with that company. My title is manager of Northern BC, right. as ambiguous as that is. And I look after um, some um, marketing, communications, branding, sales, yeah. events. Um, I look after our reforestation program. So. Yeah. Everything from um, creating products with the team 
to executing things like caribou rocks the north to yeah. putting trees in the ground um, we plant trees with partial proceeds of all beer sales caribou yeah. beer sales and so that's my job to execute that program right which is one of my favorite parts of my job really so did you get hired when Komatsu was still there yeah she did, hired me yeah and and tell us a little bit about her because she was uh, an, an entrepreneur extraordinaire she came from Japan Japan yep and invested here and I think if I remember correctly Pacific Brewing at one time was owned by Ben Genter who may have started part of the branding and then Komatsu came into the picture yeah she was the seventh owner and yeah. I if I remember correctly I'm kind of the historian there now and I'm I'm pretty sure Ben was the fifth owner, but he was the most notorious or famous owner. Right. He really took that brewery from me in this small little brewery to being what it was known. Uncle Ben's beer was... Um, Put his picture on, oh, yeah. on the bottle of beer. I mean, he was innovative too. I mean, yeah. Ben Ginter, he wanted to charge less for his beer and the government said no. Yeah. So he put a dime in every case of beer and gave the people the money back anyways. Yeah. He found a way around it. He was yeah. the first kind of kickback to the customer. Yeah. And um, Casco continued that on. Um, she purchased the brewery in 1991. And what was going on at the time was the brewery was going bankrupt. And um, the employees started pooling their money together to try to buy the brewery. And um, the union employees, they wanted to save their jobs. Yeah. yeah they're spending, they're, they're willing to put their retirement savings at risk in order to save their jobs. Yeah. And Casco reached out to Tom Lebo, who was um, a 50-year employee. He only just retired recently. But she reached out to Tom and said, do you mind if I buy the brewery? He was there for a long time, 50 too. years. Yeah. 50 years. And so yeah. he, he, she, he said, no, Casco, please buy the brewery. Yeah. And so she did. And um, her initial start with the company was actually contract manufacturing. So she was in Japan, and she wanted to bring an import in a beer into Japan. So she was hiring our brewery to manufacture and package a beer for her that she would then import into Japan. And that's what, how, why I think the market back then really uh, demanded that. So she wanted to bring yeah. in Dragon Dry, which is the beer that she produced and, and some more. And, um, and that's how she got her start. She just was having us manufacture. Are they still doing that today in so Japan or? We do uh, no longer, we no longer contract manufacture for anybody, um, but we will export to Japan um, on, con on a contract basis right. still. So for a long time we did it regularly and now we do it on a contract basis with different different groups over there. How many people does it employ? The brewery itself has about 40 union employees, yeah. 40-ish, 40 plus, give yeah. or take. In the summer we ramp up the yeah. production and so we have a few more summer yeah. summer people and uh, and um, yeah, and then we have another crew. Uh, we probably have uh, close to 10 salespeople yeah. uh, selling the, the products into liquor stores and everywhere else. And yeah. then we have a crew of you know accountants and marketing folks. All the support staff. All the support staff, and so yeah, we big team. When was it built? Because I came here in 1965. It kind of feels to me like it has always been there. That's it wasn't that old. So this year is our 65th anniversary. 1957, the brewery was built. That's why it was there. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, because you're not there. far from there. No. Yeah, your 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 operations, kilometer away. Since 1975. That's right. right. So the, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, my goodness, you know, so the, uh, and, and, and then, uh, what do you see now for that type of manufacturing here? Is there room for expansion potentially or? Uh, you know, I, I, I have uh, a lot of my own 
ideas, insights, views, opinions. Um, on the, when it comes to the operational side, I try to st let them stay in their lane yeah. and me stay in my lane. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I think having a regional brewery like ours is hugely beneficial to this region and this yeah. and, and to our city. I think uh, very uh, unique in a yeah, way. Yeah, it's, and it's yeah. cool. I mean, how how many independently owned breweries are there in Canada? Yeah, not very many. Who uh, started it all? Uh, so I don't know the original owner's yeah. name. Yeah. I don't know them, but it was originally um, Caribou Brewing, uh, yeah. was what it was called. And uh, old, uh, we had uh, um, it started in 1957, and it's expanded over the years. We added a, an additional Casco, built an additional warehouse. Yeah, you know more brewing capacity, those types of things. I think um, I think there's huge opportunity uh, with our company and. and uh, producing products that people want. We don't just do beer. Some people don't even know. We do um, vodka soda drinks, low-calorie vodka soda drinks. I didn't know that. Coolers, ready-to-drinks. Yeah. yeah, a few years ago, I got to be part of the team that expanded. We had a brewery license, yeah. uh, but I got to be part of the team that helped us get our um, distillery license yeah. to do spirits and our cidery winery license to do wine or cider. Yeah. And so we have those licenses, and we do and can produce those products. And we do non-alcoholic products, too. We have a pop line root beer and ginger ale and so yeah it's a really unique business and but the thing that makes it as special it is as it is the thing that i love the most about the company is it's a good place to work it's a it's a good corporate citizen company yeah. we support our community we give back to our community and that's why I'm, i like to work there yeah and that's another part that i was going to ask you about uh, uh you know the pacific breweries obviously has been very involved in the community during the time of Komatsu, but also after that, and then you have been as well, personally, uh, you are very involved in the community, yeah. not just what you're doing, but some of the other things. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think with the brewery, um, so Casco passed away. Actually, I, I got the reminder on my Facebook just uh, the other day. Uh, she passed away at the end of July, 2018. Yeah. yeah. And her nephew, Taizan Kamatsu, he took over uh, right after, and he's doing a great job. Tizan's an awesome guy. I'm, yeah. I'm, we're lucky to work with Tizan. It's tough. Very different personalities. Yeah. Uh, Casco is, you know, tough and strong businesswoman, yeah. and uh, but I, you know, you you respected her, and yeah. and you and you have that same respect for Tizan. It just comes in a different way, and he's yeah. uh, he's a smart and thoughtful and uh, hardworking guy, and so very cool to work for the Komatsu family and it's n so great to see that that legacy continued on yeah. after her passing with with Taizan and uh, we're lucky to work with Taizan um, and we're lucky that Taizan has that same vision you could say as, yeah. as Casco did in supporting where you do business this yeah. is our home so exactly. you got to give back you got to be part of the community exactly and there's nothing worse than a big corporation coming in and saying you know, we're going to do business here. We're going to benefit off of your community, but we're not going to give back. Nobody yeah. wants that. Oh, you never hear from them or it, see yeah, them, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, that was really important to her and that's really important to Tizan. And I think that's one of the reasons, it is one of the reasons why I like my position there and I like working there so much is because I can really get behind what we're all about as a company. We're, we're in it for the right reasons. We're, we give back in yeah. the right ways, not just with the reforestation, but we sponsor sports events we sponsor entertainment events community yeah. events charity events yeah all sorts of stuff we support and get out yeah. there and be connected and and so when you say you know i get out there too I, I look for that when i you know when i was looking for the next opportunity for me when i joined pwb i wanted to find a company that 
I shared values with that I yeah. thought, yeah, I'm on board with that. We we share we align with our values and what we believe is right and yeah. wrong in business, and and I'm lucky that uh, PwB has that. Yeah. So if you look forward now, uh, you know, for yourself in terms of a career, you're still very young. Obviously, relatively speaking, to me, I'm 82 today, but uh, or nearly 82 in the next three months. But uh, you've been so active in a lot of areas that. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, obviously y y y politics has been good for you because it teaches you a lot of things. You get exposed to so many things, especially in a community like Prince George and in the region. How do you see it for yourself looking forward? You know, it's... it's You're entrepreneurial, right? Totally. Uh, you know, and, and, you know. It's funny. I... I'm a young guy. I'm 30 this year. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, for a lot of folks, they go, well, you're only 30. But I've been fortunate in that I've jam-packed a lot of career and a lot of life into my 30 years. Yeah. I started working when I was 13. I started my own business when I was 15. Yeah. Uh, my own DJ company. Um, yeah. I, you know, I paid off my equipment within a year. By 16, I had all my equipment paid off. Like, that's my, yeah. you know... Unique. That, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. unique. And so I've been fortunate that... I feel like I've, um, I feel like anything's possible. And so yeah. if I want to pursue um, politics, I feel like that's available to me because yeah. I think um, I can take my experience and uh, the things that I've learned in my uh, private sector career and I can apply that in, in, what, in that day-to-day -day kind of political world. Um, if I choose to stick with my, my, my uh, you know, private sector career longer and then maybe go to politics or maybe never go to politics. Right. I had that experience and I'm yeah. able to, I've learned a lot from Extremely being on council. Valuable. Being on council, I've learned a tremendous amount. I've yeah. been able to bring stuff to the table. I've been able to digest stuff and then, yeah. oh, okay, apply that somehow, right? Yeah. So there's, I, I think, I mean, and I would tell this to any young person, you can do anything. I would tell this to anybody, not just young people. Yeah. You can do anything if you if you work at it and, and work hard and put your mind to it. And so um, the future, uh, I think is uh, slightly uh, an open book still to see, you know, what's the right thing at the right time. Uh, you know, I could tell you, I'm going to run for prime minister. Who knows? Who knows? You know, yeah. if that's the right thing at the right time, then that's what you do. And if it's not, then that's not what you do. You got to be in it for the right reasons, right? So, right. Um, you know, I could tell you, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be at PWB for the next 20 years, or I'm going to be on council for the, gosh, not for the next 20 years. Help me if I'm, you know, yeah. if I'm still sticking around that long. Um, but um, I think, uh, I think that's the, the, the great thing about life. And I think COVID, maybe that's a silver lining from COVID is it kind of helps, it's kind of helped you realize that take it as it comes and uh, do the best thing that's. Has it taught you something, COVID? And yeah. where things, for a lot of people, a lot of things changed around them, right? Prioritizing, right? And, yeah. and just uh, seeing that life can change like that. And so you got to take what's right in front of you and you got to harness that and channel that in the right direction. Yeah. If the right opportunity, if, if the right thing to do is to run for council again, if I think yeah. that I can be a benefit to our community, then I'll do that. Yeah. If I don't see that I can give back in a meaningful way, then why take up that seat from somebody who could do, do better? Right. Yeah. And so uh, you got to be in the right mindset. So, yeah. Interesting part about this is that, uh, you know, from an early age, I started working when I was 14. And, uh, you know, the, uh, I was not overly successful in school. And uh, I Me failed either. grade three once and then grade seven three times. So 
that was the formal side. So obviously, uh, you know, then from there and then, uh, I was trained as a furniture maker. Really? Yeah. And at what age? At 14, I went into a furniture factory. They, uh, after I failed grade seven the third time, uh, you know, they had to make a decision and say, should we send them, there's a problem here of some sort, should we send them to the mentally challenged school or do we get them a job? And so the choice was to get me a job and uh, they sent me to the furniture factory and I became a furniture maker. Wow. And that's where your passion for working with wood came from? or Partially, uh, Kyle. The, uh, the, uh, the other one was uh, that my dad worked in the lumber industry and my grandfather was a master carpenter, although I never knew him, but I've seen the work that he did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so I've always liked wood and I've always been attracted to it. And, uh, you know, and my hope was, and I was born in 1940, 1945 is we were liberated by the yep. Canadians and uh, from that point forward I always knew and I bring that up every time virtually when I talk to somebody about that is that uh, I always knew from that point forward at five that I wanted to go at some point to the lands of my heroes uh, the Canadians you know so yeah it's amazing how um, still today all these years later um, the gratitude that uh, that comes over to Canada, right? I mean, oh yeah, the, you don't see that anywhere else. I no. mean, people, countries have aided other countries for thousands of years, but the bond between our countries is pretty yeah. and Holland, unique. Canadians are very highly thought of, even from the young children in school. Yeah, and uh, Canada is something very, very special. That's cool. I think yeah. going back a bit to your comment about uh, starting work at fourteen. I, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that every 14-year-old goes out and gets a job. Everyone's no, I mean, unique in their own way. But, I mean, I, I see the similarity between us in that uh, I think starting work at a young age really taught something that, you know, school, for, for both of our cases, couldn't teach you work ethic no. and, and hard work and determination. And I've got a job to do and I'm going to get it done because there's expectations of me where um, it's, I didn't know that, uh, about you. I, I wasn't a stellar student. I thrived in school in so many ways. Um, I was on leadership and I was always planning all the charity events and the surprise, surprise, and all the dances and everything else in, under the sun at school, raising money for all these programs, doing extracurricular things. I was I, very good at that too. I was making money, all the fun. collecting newspapers yeah. and, and selling them, doing entrepreneurial stuff, but I was not very good sitting in class. Same. And, and uh, you know, but then it, it took me a number of years until I was 57 when I picked up a book and I opened a book on Third Avenue uh, bookstore and I looked in the book, Driven to Distraction, and it said, I said, now I finally know who I am, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, ADHD mm -hmm. was a benefit that I had. And taught uh, you a lot about yourself. Yeah. 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 Knowing that, having that kind of uh, awareness of, oh, this makes sense now, rather than just, yeah. I don't get it. And, and wow. not only that, I knew it allowed me to do a whole lot of things that, uh, uh, that other people could not do. I don't make, it doesn't make me special, but I easily can do 10, 20 things all at the same time, different directions. And what allowed me to do that uh, substantially is ADHD. Interesting, eh? Yeah. I think a lot of people would be surprised um, to, to, to discover that um, and maybe not expect it. But I think there's a lot more folks out there with little, little things like ADHD that 
are actually almost a benefit to them in some ways. It is. You got to harness it, right? There is no question about that. Yeah. And then I wrote about that. I don't know if you've seen my book. Uh, I haven't Against read it yet. Against all odds. Yep. Oh, I've you? read. I read. I haven't read the new one yet. I'm gonna get you a copy of it though. Perfect. You know the uh, the copy is uh, ADHD and. Uh, you know the uh, so I'm gonna sign it for you as well. I'm gonna do oh, that right now. Actually. Oh, thank you. You know the uh, but that changed. Uh, you know the when I discovered it. Uh, you know in the book that I picked up in the store, driven to distraction when I was 57. It took me five years before I talked to my doctor about it. My doc uh, was a family doctor, I, a friend I known him for a long time. And one day I came into his office and he said. Uh, Hey, John, what can I do for you? I said, you know something? I think I got ADHD. And so he, him and me, we kind of looked at it and, and uh, he kind of, from his knowledge, researched it and talked to me about the, the typical characteristics. And he said, I think you do too. And, uh, you know, so then I was 62 then when I was diagnosed. Wow. And, and then, uh, you know, the, uh, yeah. So 20 and, years and then even then still I didn't talk about it much because I felt the stigma that's what it. I was going to ask about how yeah. did um was it hard to to go and tell your doctor I think I've got this going on like yeah it took me five years to be before I go to my friend yeah so do you trust delivered my two daughters and and I'm fortunately very healthy but I considered him a, if I wouldn't tell him who would I tell, you know, but I, yeah, I found a stigma, but uh, I, I had not dealt with that. It probably was not until uh, three, four years ago mm. uh, in particular, I started talking about it more. I'm a fairly active public speaker that I included it into my presentations. And uh, in particular, when uh, I was honored uh, with the honorary mm -hmm. doctorates uh, of laws degree by University of British Columbia, and uh, I included it there in my presentation that, uh, you know, the PTSD as a result of Second World War, the inner child as an indirect result, and ADHD is, uh, you know, part of my makeup. And, uh, you know, and, and today, but then I also knew I had to be more vocal about it because there's stigma attached that people are not understanding in a lot of cases and are feeling ashamed. And, the, yeah. and so that's why I felt an obligation to write about it yeah and that's what i do i'm excited to read it i think um that's exactly that's exactly in my mind there's folks like you or myself who are maybe more uh able to speak about things everyone's going through their own stuff and if we if you know if you can speak up on on issues that other folks don't necessarily feel as confident speaking up on it helps them feel that confidence it helps them feel like it's normal okay that they can reach out to their friends right and so yeah i i've Really cool that you, you wrote to, this To book. me, it's something that, uh, you know, I have to talk about because it has benefited me in many, many ways. And it has also, you know, caused me challenges. Uh, when I was younger, I felt that uh, I had failed, you know. And school. But, There's and no doubt that this was a hurdle because of, you know, it, school is a hurdle because of this, right? Exactly. And, and so... But now more than ever, I, uh, you know, the, obviously the book is uh, very popular already and, uh, and very timely because more and more people are talking about it and talking about it mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. and saying that virtually does not a day go by that even this morning I talked to somebody that said, I'm on a copy of the book because my nephew has to be very convinced, so send me a book. You know, really? So, uh, yeah. No, I'm going to spell your name K-Y-L-E-L-E. -L -E. 
Perfect. Thanks, John. I really appreciate John, that. Thank you for being my guest. And thank you. It uh, was a pleasure, and uh, we'll watch you uh, through your career. I'm sure you're going to be around. You're going to make a difference. I hope and, so. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, October the 15th, uh, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, that will be a success, including for you, I'm hoping. And, uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's always a pleasure for me to see somebody that uh, is so committed and uh, doing so many things for the community and for the area and as a whole. I appreciate that very much. So, again, my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thanks.